focus on headline. All right, let's take a look at what major issues are making the headlines today on Focus on Headline. Uh, for this, uh, joining us in the studio, we have our Tuesday reporters, Kwon Soa and Che Ji-hee. Guys, welcome back. Hi, guys. Esther, you look very bright today. Thank you. I was, you know, started my uh, the, the new trend here. It's, it's getting colder. Uh, I stopped wanting to wear black and... Uh, I look like Patrick Starr from SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> uh, that's what I look like. Uh, nevertheless, guys, uh, let, let's start things off uh, with uh, President Yoon Suk-yeol as the as well as the presidential office uh, defending uh, the recent trilateral naval drills held between, of course, South Korea, the U.S., and Japan, uh, following main opposition Democratic Chair Party Chairman Lee Jae-myung's announcement of these exercises. Uh, so, uh, give us a rundown of Yi's remarks first, and then uh, I guess the president's uh, response today. Sure. DP Chairman Lee Jae-myung has criticized recent joint anti-submarine drills conducted by South Korea, the U.S., and Japan in international waters off the East Sea late last month. The warfare training was aimed at better detecting and countering North Korean submarines. Lee called the drills an extremely pro-Japanese move, pro-Japanese national defense, and he said it's uh, the Yoon Suk administration's humiliating diplomacy toward Japan. He made these remarks at a party meeting Friday as well as yesterday during a YouTube live streaming. He claimed that holding joint military drills between Seoul, Washington, and Tokyo can be interpreted as acknowledging Japan's self-defense forces as an official military of Japan. And we know that Japan's defense forces are not allowed to wage war outside its borders due to its past atrocities. Uh, Furthermore, he said, quote, we cannot imagine the day when the Japanese military invades the Korean peninsula and the rising sun flag again hangs over the peninsula but it could come true. Uh, President Yoon Suk-yeol was asked to comment on these remarks by reporters this morning on his way to his office and he said what concerns can be justified in the face of nuclear threat and he was referring to North Korea's nuclear threat and then he said quote I think the wise public will make a good judgment. So he didn't have uh, really much uh, words towards these um, words by Lee Jae-myung, but right. he, uh, on that occasion, he also criticized North Korea for its continuous threats that are the reason for Yoon's renewed pledge to form solid security cooperation with the U.S. and Japan. On the question whether Yoon's North Korea policies remain effective amid North Korean leader Kim Jong-un's recent remarks, uh, he said they do. The question was referring to his audacious plan, Mm -hmm. uh, as well as cooperation on defense security between South Korea, the U.S., and Japan. He stressed that North Korea upgrading of its nuclear weapons threatens not only South Korea, but the entire world, adding Pyongyang has nothing to gain from these weapons. Meanwhile, presidential spokesperson Lee Jae-myung, don't mistake him for the yes, other Lee Jae-myung, similar, yeah, they have same the same name, don't be confused. Uh, he told a radio station this Tuesday the uh, North Korea's nuclear and missile program are the biggest threat for Northeast Asia, adding, quote, when there is a fire, it's so natural that neighbors should combine their strengths to put it out. And this was obviously in a bit to defend the joint military drills which uh, involve Japan. Yeah, I, again, I mean, we've mentioned this before. This is the reason why uh, Japan's naval fleet review is a controversial one in that whether or not South Korea should take part in that as well because uh, the Japanese uh, Navy, they used the Rising Sun 
flag as a symbol of the Japanese Navy. And so obviously we've mentioned this before. Uh, we do consider the rising sun flag as a symbol of imperialism. Uh, we believe that the rising sun is equivalent to the Nazi swastika. And so when South Korea has those dark past and traumatic uh, past uh, with the rise the, the symbol of the rising flag and the imperialism of Japan, it is really hard for us to kind of see that flag go hand in hand with the, the South Korean flag and the, the US flag and things like that. But at the same time, the UN administration does have uh, a good argument in that. I mean, what are you going to do when it, uh, you know, North Korea continues to threaten uh, the area and, uh, you know, the area that's affected by this. It's, it's you know, basically uh, you have South Korea and Japan, right? It's the regions and mind you, I mean, the North Korea even test fired an intermediate ballistic missile over Japan. Uh, so that, that's the thing. I mean, you know, both sides do have very good arguments, but the truth is uh, North Korea has been responding with a number of provocations here. Uh, in the meantime, foreign affairs authorities of South Korea and Japan holding a director level consultation uh, to discuss bilateral agendas, this including the issue of compensating wartime force laborers, uh, this in Seoul earlier today. Uh, Chi, let's get the details of this. Sure. So South Korea and Japan held a working-level diplomatic meeting today over uh, s several bilateral issues, including the issue of resolving compensation matters for the forced labor of Koreans during World War II. Now, the Foreign Ministry's Director General for Asia and Pacific Affairs, Lee sang met with his Japanese counterpart, Takihiro Funakoshi at the South Korean Foreign Ministry in Seoul. And for the consultation, Director Funakoshi arrived in Seoul this morning at around 10 a.m. Uh, a meeting of such was last held in Tokyo on August 26th. That was a month a little over a month ago, and just like the consultations held in Tokyo, discussions today focused on resolving the issue of compensating for uh, Korean forest laborers. And today's occasion is particularly significant that it comes after the summit held between President Yoon Seok-yeol and uh, Japanese P Prime Minister Fumio Kishida on the sidelines of the UN General Assembly, which was held in New York last month. The two leaders then had directed foreign affairs authorities to accelerate talks between the states to improve bilateral relations by resolving some common historic issues. And regarding the bilateral relationship between the two states, Yoon Dong-min, who is the Korean ambassador to Japan, had stated earlier during the state audit that the relations seems to be thawing after the meeting between the two state leaders in New York. Now, much attention was on whether Japan will express positive responses to the resolution of the compensation matter that the Korean government had sought because the government held four public-private discussions to gather opinions and ideas on resolutions of the issue among representatives from various fields. And as a specific solution for the compensation issue, uh, a so-called concurrent debt acquisition method is being discussed. And this is about a third party taking over the same debts anew while keeping the debts of forced laborers. Now, the foreign ministry had concluded that it is undesirable to take over the debt of the Japanese defendant company with the government budget. 
And the foreign ministry authorities told reporters after the meeting held today that close consultations were held between uh, the two sides to come up with serious solutions for the matter. And the directors of both sides uh, plan to hold in-person meetings uh, again in the future, as well as regular phone calls to coordinate their opinions. To add on, meanwhile, there's another important news regarding Japan. Mm -hmm. So lifting COVID-19-induced restrictions, the Japanese government resumed their visa waiver programs for some 68 countries and regions beginning today, and this includes South Korea. So following this, visitors from these countries and regions are able to stay in Japan for up to 90 days without a visa. Yeah, obviously good news uh, for people. I mean, Japan was always a very popular destination for South Korean travelers, and now that it's visa-free and there's uh, also some restrictions lifted, I believe, uh, if you've been, uh, if you had up to three COVID-19 shots, I believe, then you are exempt from taking a PCR test. Uh, if you have taken just two shots or have not been vaccinated, you need to have uh, test a negative PCR test 72 hours uh, before boarding it. But uh, the, the most important thing here, again, I mean, it still, is there a question, uh, the answer to whether or not this issue is going to be resolved is all the parties going to be uh, happy with this because when you say a third party takes over the same debt uh, while keeping the debts of the forced laborers i mean so who is the third party right is it going to be from the japanese side is it going to be the, from the south korean side because certainly if it's from the south korean side just like the foreign ministry said they are not the south koreans are not going to be happy with this and the victims are not going to be happy with this as well so uh, this is going to be obviously a, a continuing uh, issue that the, the two sides really need to uh, resolve at this time, but uh, we've said this before, it's not going to be easy. Uh, other Japan-related news here, uh, South Korea took issue with Japan's plan to discharge radioactive water uh, from its uh, crippled Fukushima nuclear power plant into the ocean. Uh, so well, let's get the latest on this. Sure. So unfortunately, there are so many issues Seoul and Tokyo argue about. South Korea, however, with good reason, has recently renewed its concerns about Japan's disposal plan of contaminated water into the Pacific Ocean. The South Korean Ministry of Oceans and Fisheries, of which officials attended the 44th London Convention and the 17th London Protocol last week, conveyed its concerns on impacts on health, safety, and ecosystems of neighboring countries. And Korea, of course, is a neighboring country. Uh, the London Convention is in charge of promoting the effective control of marine pollution and tries to prevent uh, marine pollution caused by humans. And the London Protocol advocates banning of dumping. Now, South Korea has been urging for discussions on the international level on Japan's plan since 2019, while Japan claims it's not an act of marine dumping. Uh, as the United Nations Specialized International Marine Organization, or IMO, agreed on the need for discussing this matter as an agenda at the week-long events in London, the topic has been brought up by South Korea. And a positive aspect of this is that a number of countries like Spain and Italy, according to Seoul's Ocean Ministry, agreed with South Korea's government's concerns. So let's hope this brings the government further uh, in its plan to not let Japan dispose. Yeah, I, I mean, water. the thing is, right now, it does seem like uh, Japan's going to go forward with it, uh, nevertheless. Uh, I, I just want to make this clear that even people 
in Japan are kind、mm. of against this, like especially like in the Fukushima region where there's、uh, a massive community for fisheries. They're basically saying, listen, over the past 10 years,、uh, we've been working really hard to improve our image. No one wants to buy any fish、uh, or any kind of、uh, seafood from Fukushima, and we've been trying to improve this. And when you discharge these、uh, you know, radioactive water into the ocean, then our images of our、uh, fish and、uh, you know, seafood is going to be tainted. Once again, we're going to go into ruins.、Uh, that's true.、Uh, China's been very concerned. South Korea has been very concerned because looking at the way that the, the water currents move,、mm. it is going to affect South Korean、uh, ocean as well. So,、uh, again, I mean, it, this is another one of those things. Like, you know, like with Busan 2030, you know, we want to get as, as much backing as possible. This is another one of those. And it's good to see that now Spain and、uh, Italy is on board with the concerns here.、Uh, speaking of. Concerning news,、uh, yesterday Ukraine's capital Kyiv and several other major cities in the country have been hit again,、uh, this by dozens of Russian missiles,、uh, leaving several dead, destroying key infrastructures.、Uh, at the same time, Belarus、uh, decided to hold hands with、uh, Russia, not, not surprised here,、uh, to carry out joint military operations over in Ukraine. a、uh, Ji, let's get more on this. All right, so Russia launched a barrage of long range missiles against Ukraine's key energy, military, and communications infrastructure. Infrastructure、uh, as a retaliatory response to what Russian President Vladimir Putin refers to as Ukraine's terrorist attacks on Russian territory. Now, the strikes were most intense in Kyiv, the capital, and explosions were also reported in several other cities around the country. According to the Ukrainian presidential office, cities across the country, including Viv and Ternopil,、uh, Zhodomir in Ukraine's west, and Dnipro and Kremenchok in central Ukraine, as well as Zaporizhia in the south and Kharkiv in the east, were all struck. Nationwide, the missile attacks left at least 19 dead and over 100 injured, and the number of casualties is likely to increase as attacks are continuing for the second straight day today.、Uh, authorities warned residents to evacuate to safe areas as several explosions occurred in Zaporizhia for 40 minutes straight this morning. Following the attacks on key energy infrastructures, several regions experienced blackouts and some fire plants and power transmission plants were suspended. They suspended electricity exports, and this will resume once these supplies are stabilized. And several regions were also left without water. And after the attack, Ukraine's President、uh, Volodymyr Zelensky said, Through a defiant video that Ukraine cannot be intimidated and that it can only be more united through these attacks. He also vowed to strengthen Ukraine's armed forces and make the battlefield even more painful for the enemy. And he said that while electricity can be cut, Ukrainians' confidence in victory cannot be cut. Uh, meanwhile, Alexander Lukashenko, the president of Belarus, stated on the 10th that Belarus and Russia will organize a joint military task force to handle the increased tensions on the country's western borders.、Uh, actually, Russia is already using Belarus as a base for sending their troops, equipment, and other war supplies to combat sites in northern Ukraine. And this is particularly concerning as、uh, the Belarusian president. Monday remarks indicate a potential further escalation of the war in Ukraine with a combined joint force of Russia and Belarus in the north of Ukraine. Yeah, Russia and Belarus h a s obviously a long history together. If you guys remember、uh, 
uh, not too long ago. Was it uh, maybe two years ago uh, when uh, it, it's <laughs> some people don't call Lukashenko president, uh, Alexander Lukashenko. They believe that he's a, a dictator. Mm. Uh, he's had power for many, many years Since right 1994, now. 1994. Yeah. And uh, the, the recent uh, election they had, I believe, uh, two years ago, I think it was, uh, they were saying that it would, the, the results were rigged. Uh, they The voters were basically saying, listen, we went and voted against him. There's absolutely no reason, uh, no way that Lukashenko was able to get all these votes. Uh, there were massive protests out in the streets. And because it got out of hand, uh, there were even talks about whether or not Lukashenko was going to ask for Putin for help. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's uh, you know, there's links to that. And not to mention, if you guys remember, right before uh, Russia invaded Ukraine, what had happened was uh, Russia and Belarus, uh, they were doing joint air drills together. They were holding joint military exercises. And the West was basically saying, are you guys doing this uh, in preparation for an invasion, possible invasion of Ukraine? They're like, oh, no, no, this this has absolutely nothing to do with it. And shortly after that, what happened, that's when February, at the end of February, the uh, the invasion uh, did take place. So, so Russia really made sure that Belarus is on it, is siding with. Oh, Belarus is going to side with Russia no matter what, mm. especially with the current uh, Lukashenko. As long as Lukashenko is in power, uh, they're definitely going to continue to side uh, with Russia. So uh, obviously, uh, not not a surprise uh, remark mm -hmm. coming from Lukashenko here. Uh, so, so U.S. President Joe Biden, in the meantime, he, he had some uh, strong remarks uh, against uh, Russia's recent uh, acts here. Well, what did he say? Right, uh, President Biden called the recent acts a demonstration of utter brutality of Putin's quote illegal war on the Ukrainian people. Uh, in a White House statement, he said that the U.S. strongly condemns Russia's missile strikes, which killed and injured civilians and destroyed targets with, quote, no military purpose. The statement also offered condolences to the victims and families and wished for the recovery of those injured in the attacks. The statement uh, ended with a call on Russia to end the aggressions immediately and remove its troops from Ukraine. President Biden also reportedly spoke with his Ukrainian counterpart Volodymyr Zelensky over the phone and offered more support. Again, uh, the White House said Biden will continue to provide Ukraine with support, including with advanced air defense systems, uh, which Ukraine needs to defend itself. The president also highlighted continuous engagement with Washington's allies and partners in terms of imposing costs on Russia. So with costs, it probably means sanctions and holding the country accountable for its crimes and atrocities, as well as helping Ukraine with security, economic and humanitarian aid. Now, also, the U.N. and the E.U. Uh, slammed Russia's recent wave of uh, strikes. Uh, what did they say? Right. Uh, the European Commission condemned the acts as a barbaric on Monday and also warned Belarus against helping its ally in killing civilians. United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres also denounced the attack on the same day, saying it's an unacceptable escalation. The UN office also said in a statement that the Secretary General is deeply shocked by the large-scale missile attacks, which reportedly resulted in widespread damage to civilian areas and led to dozens of deaths and wounded people. Uh, the organization also held an emergency meeting, and the EU also was set to discuss 
discuss how to respond towards Russia's latest strikes at a meeting this Tuesday. So it maybe has begun, uh, maybe not. Uh, meanwhile, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky is expected to address an emergency meeting of G7 leaders on Tuesday also on this matter. I mean, it's difficult because, uh, again, I don't think Ukraine has openly come out saying that they are responsible for this strike in the Crimea Bridge. But uh, because, again, Russia does consider Crimea as their own territory and that attack on the bridge, also very symbolic for uh, Putin, as we mentioned on the show yesterday, uh, that was basically now you've really pushed Putin. Uh, You've humiliated Putin by attacking a bridge that I believe he also took part in opening that particular bridge. So, uh, you know, Zelensky probably did know that there was going to be some kind of retaliatory uh, action coming in. Is it worth the lives of the innocent civilians? Because at the same time, they can say that that bridge was a a key infrastructure for Russia because that's where they transport all the the, the equipments and the Mm. weapons and things like that. But uh, it's highly likely that uh, Russia is going to continue on uh, with these uh, attacks and uh, hopefully it ends like that and uh, you know Putin doesn't end up using that option of using nuclear weapons right uh, let's go into domestic economy this time uh, we've been covering the uh, the stock markets quite a bit here uh, South Korean stocks so a near two percent drop today uh, really discouraging investors amid rising uncertainties uh, over multiple downside risk uh, Jay, let's go over the the detail uh, figures in detail Right. So Korea's benchmark KOSPI closed at 2,192.07, tumbling by almost 2% or losing 40.77 points compared to the previous day. Amid concerns that tighter monetary policies and an energy crisis caused by geopolitical risks could lead to a further slowdown of economic growth, investors sold off tech, auto and other stocks. And trading volume today was moderate at uh, 844.63 million shares. Uh, worth of 7.75 trillion won or 5.42 billion US dollars. And chip makers Samsung Electronics and SK Hynix tumbled by 1.42% to close at 55,401 and 1.1% to 90,201, respectively. Now, the fall in figures came amid the recent selling of U.S. semiconductor stocks following Washington's uh, expert controls to limit China's access to U.S. chip technology and chip-making equipment. And on a slump in semiconductor stocks, uh, the tech-heavy Nasdaq composite fell by 1.04%, recording the lowest figure for the first time in two years. And car makers also saw dips, with top automaker Hyundai Motors seeing a 4.27% drop and its affiliate Kia falling uh, 5.07%. Now, these reflect mounting concerns over a possible loss in these companies' competitiveness due to the negative impact of the recently introduced uh, U.S. Inflation Reduction Act, of course, which exempts EVs assembled outside of the U.S. from tax incentives. Meanwhile, battery maker LG Energy Solutions saw gains, uh, a few of which saw gains, of 3.11%, and major chemical firm LG Chem also advanced by 1.36%. 
And also the Korean won ended at 1,435.2 won against the U.S. dollar, which is down 22.81 from the previous session's close. Yeah, at least uh, on the bright side when it comes to the uh, the exchange rate, it seems like it's slowly settling down here because at one point we're, I believe uh, we've hit uh, 1,480 at one point. It was like very close mm-hmm. to hitting 1,500 uh, as we saw some government intervention on that front. Is it settling down? Is it going to go down more? Well, that all depends on, of course, the interest rates, the key interest rates, right? Uh, the Bank of Korea is scheduled to hold its next rate-setting meeting tomorrow. Now, so far, there's already been an, uh, a reversal uh, compared to the U.S. Fed. And obviously, when there's a reversal, there's going to be a lot of capital outflow. Uh, the Bank of Korea has predicted that there's going to be more interest rate hikes uh, for an extended period of time, meaning more hikes on the long run. Uh, we've already seen a big step take place, which means a 50 basis point hike and then, uh, you know, the that was a historical hike at that front. Uh, but uh, the fact is, according to many experts, uh, we can't expect a soft landing. Another big step is highly likely. Uh, so you have more on this. Right. Another big step or hike of half a percentage point of its key interest rate is now being predicted at Wednesday's meeting. In a continuous battle against inflation as well as to avert a capital flight is what analysts believe. The sharp depreciation of the Korean won against the U.S. dollar is pressuring the central bank. So despite uh, some earlier prospects that a second 50 basis point hike may not occur, it's now become more realistic. That meaning, following such a big step in July with a key rate at 25 the rate may be raised to 3% this week. And even further hikes are being speculated about, uh, especially as consumer prices are still high and the BOK appears to believe that inflation won't cool off in the coming months. Uh, Consumer prices, in fact, uh, after hitting an around 24-year high of 6.3% in July, uh, slowed down a bit, but they kept staying in the 5% range for the second straight month in September. Yeah, this is an interesting thing because uh, there's a number of things that we need to take into consideration when you're raising uh, these uh, key interest rates. Now, if it goes to another 50 basis point, like you said, so it's going to hit 3%. uh, There's a very good... There were some even experts saying that uh, another hike of a 50 basis point might happen where eventually South Korea is going to see something like 3.5%. Uh, the thing is, what that what's that going to happen? What's going to happen afterwards is going to be a lot of household debt. Uh, a lot of people are saying, well, at least for the people who are looking to maybe buy houses for the first time, this is good news because uh, real estate prices are going to start dipping. But the thing is, it is dipping slightly, but no one's willing to sell right now. They're going to mm. look, we're, we're basically making massive losses if we're going to sell we're going to somehow try to pay out the debt and we're going to continue to live there we're not going to you know sell this until it goes back to whatever the price is so even the real estate market uh, it's not really helping out those people that mm-hmm. want to buy uh, cheaper houses at this time. Uh, with uh, Speaking of real estate, uh, this is the other big concern. We uh, briefly mentioned this on the show uh, last week. Legoland. Uh, I don't know if any of you guys have been to Legoland uh, since it opened in May. Not uh-huh. yet. With your son? Refused to go. I don't know if you guys saw it, but if you go there, like it's the parents who are basically like laborers there you have to all the things you move it's the parents who have to pump it and like move it's manual movement oh i see yeah so uh yeah parents (laughs) it's just don't seem to really like it but it's it's 
fun place for kids. Uh, obviously, Lego. A lot of kids like Lego as well. But uh, there was a lot of expectations. But it has become a source of huge concern in the capital market because local special purpose company uh, that spent billions on funding the construction of Legoland, they have now gone bankrupt. Uh, we talked about this last week. There's They had their first default. Jihee, let's get the details of this. Right. So I want Jailta, a special purpose company that funded the building of Legoland Korea Resort has gone bankrupt, like you said. Uh, because it failed to repay 205 billion won, which is about 144.7 million U.S. dollars in asset-backed commercial paper. I will refer to this as ABCP and was uh, listed as bankrupt as of the 4th of this month by the Korea Financial Telecommunications and Clearings Institute. Now, Legoland Korea uh, opened on May 5th on the Jungdo-sum Island in Chuncheon, Gangwon-do Province, and Gangwon Jungdo Development, or GJC, established this I1 in 2020 to basically finance the construction of Legoland, and uh, GJC's is 44% owned by the Gangwon Province. Now, its borrowings from uh, this company is guaranteed by Gangwon Province, which helped the special purpose vehicle get a credit rating of A1, which is the highest from uh, Korea's investors service. And following this bankruptcy, its rating dropped to D, which is the lowest Jeez. level. And according to local reports, uh, the Financial Supervisory Service is looking into investor exposure to the bankrupt entity. And with the bankruptcy, Kangwon Province said it's planning to apply for the rehabilitation of GJC sometime early next month. Uh, and it's unclear whether the court will accept this, though, considering GJC is owned by a state and Institution, according to press reports. Now, the province says it will fulfill its obligations as a guarantor, and Legoland Korea, however, itself separate from the developer, says it's unaffected by the bankruptcy, so it still remains open. Uh, meanwhile, BNK Financial Group reportedly held a creditor meeting this afternoon to discuss this matter. So securities companies that bought Legoland's asset-backed commercial paper, ABCP, participated in the meeting to discuss ways to resolve the current issue, including litigation matters. All right. Uh, it really is unfortunate because, I mean, it's only been, what, uh, five months, right, yeah. since that happened. Uh, let's uh, take a look at a analysis here. Make growing U.S.-China confrontations, uh, competition between South Korea and Taiwan also getting fierce as well. well what's this about, Soa? Well, this is an analysis by uh, the Korea International Trade Org Association, which released a report that looked at the relationship between major countries export competition in the U.S. market. So countries closely linked to exports to the U.S. have been analyzed in a five-year span between 2017 and 2021. So South Korea, Vietnam, and Taiwan's share in the export market to the U.S. all seem to have simultaneously gone up. And especially what the report finds interesting, I guess, is the gap between South Korea and Taiwan has narrowed from 1.24 percentage points to 0.63 percentage points. Uh, the report used the 
Export Similarity Index, or ESI, that has risen from 0.351 to 0.373. What this means is that the competitiveness between South Korea and Taiwan is growing, and this uh, obviously because China has less competitiveness now uh, when it comes to exports to the U.S. because yeah. of its conflict with the U.S. Uh, so it's also interesting that uh, why these two are uh, similar in this index is not only because, I guess, the volume of the exports to the U.S., but also similar items. And what item can you think of that South Korea and Taiwan both export? Semi- exactly. So this report is, I guess, um, highlighting on the fact that we are... Uh, our competitiveness has grown, but also Taiwan's has grown. So maybe this would be an interesting fact that Korean companies should look at. You know, one thing I learned uh, working with Soa is sometimes you have to really listen to what she says because she'll, <laughs> she'll throw you a question out of yeah. nowhere. Uh, <laughs> if you days off or just a bit, uh, <laughs> she will catch you with that. But uh, luckily, I'm always listening. So uh, finishing things out here, let's talk about uh, this particular meeting with uh, Korean officials uh, holding a meeting with domestic auto and battery makers today. This, of course, to discuss responses to the Inflation Reduction Act. Uh, Jihee, you have more on this. Right. So Korea's industry, finance and foreign ministers held their third round of joint task force meetings with industry officials in Seoul uh, to discuss how to respond to the issue, according to the industry ministry. Now, the participating firms include uh, Hyundai Motors, Samsung SDI, LG Energy Solution and other related companies. And uh, Deputy Trade Minister Chung Dae-jin said during this meeting that as the U.S. Treasury Department launched the formal process on detailed rules to implement their IRA, uh, we will make thorough responses over the course of its public comments gathering as one team with the business circle. And he also added that Korea will continue active consultations with the U.S. through their working-level consultative body. And regarding this matter, last week, Biden sent a letter to President Yoon Seok-yeol expressing his willingness to continue frank and open-minded talks on the act, saying he's well aware of Korea's concerns over the matter. Yeah, there's been talks that uh, maybe after the uh, November midterm elections and when all the votes are in and stuff, uh, maybe that's when the the United States uh, will start rolling out with maybe be some exemptions or even uh, some of these companies have even been just asking for grace periods, right? I mean, they're already mm-hmm. producing these, uh, uh, building these plants and factories right now. It's just right. that you can't build these plants and factories overnight. It takes about two, three years. Mm-hmm. And so they're saying three-year grace period is the minimum that we want right now. Hopefully, uh, we'll find a resolution to this. Uh, guys, thank you very much uh, for your report today, as always. Uh, stay safe, and uh, we'll see you again. See you again. You can listen to Korea Now with me, SJ Lee, by downloading the Arirang Radio application or tune in online by visiting www.arirangradio.com. So make sure you tune in Mondays through Fridays, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Korea time.